the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest on New York's news and talk station 77 WABC. This is something I would never call for, Boy George Culture Club. Remember, at one time, they were the number one group in the world. They were big. They were big. Karma, none, but Karma Chameleon. On uh, this program, Left Versus Right, let me compliment you uh, because, Anthony, you had a dynamic hour on a subject that rarely is discussed at length on any form of radio, whether it's NPR, WABC, or any other form. Fentanyl. You know, it's normally fear, fright, hysteria, and hype. Oh, it's in the marijuana. You get out of here. You don't know what you're talking to. I've been on fentanyl, so I know personally. So let's deal with your call at 243. Remember, said he used to be up in Washington Heights at the time of the crack cocaine cowboys, the Jerry Curls gang, the other thing I could relate to that. And then he spoke about what he would do. Uh, based on what an old Irish cop told him, hey, we ought to hang him from the yard arms. They, you know, they, he sounded like an Irish cop himself, to be honest. Exactly. All right, uh, we're not going to go to that length. But he said, in order to remove the mystique of the drug dealers, that when they are found guilty, have them cleaning up the streets, which, again, remember, is considered beneath uh, everybody. Oh, my God, that's the lowest of the low. And right away, I remember... Boy George, this is after the glory days of Culture Club. He was having a hard right. time with cocaine. He was living with some guy in Soho, and he called in a false report of a break-in because he was having a fight with his friend. And when the cops came in at his own invitation, because they were really, like, brawling, they saw all the white powder on the table that yeah. these guys had been snorting. So they arrested him. They took him to the first precinct. It was adjudicated. And he had to do five days of community service sweeping the streets. Most people didn't know it was Boy George because they didn't have him wear the hat and his normal outfit. He looked like he could have been a sanitation guy. Well, finally, people realized it was Boy George, and they flocked around. But five days, he had to clean up the streets of Little Italy, Chinatown, the Lower East Side. And again, people were asking him, oh, you let them make you do that? He goes... My mother used to do this. My father used to do this in England. There's nothing wrong with me doing it, too. And, in fact, it was a brilliant way of getting across a point that you could have been the number one star in the world, which at one point he right, was. he was. Then all of a sudden you hit bottom because you got a cocaine problem. And now you're out in the streets of New York City sweeping up to Flotsam and Jetsam. I thought your caller was brilliant. I yep. thought your know, many yep. callers were brilliant. And also about fentanyl, you know, everybody, the border, the border, the border. Let me tell you something. You and I, we have sat in Ferry Hawks Stadium, right? Staten Island. John Katsimatidis owns the Ferry mm-hmm. Hawks in the Independent League. We've watched the uh, cargo container ships go in and out of the Straits of the Verrazano, loaded to the brim, ready to unload in the port of Newark and Elizabeth. Hundreds of cargo containers. They don't all get searched. It's impossible they have to pick out one out of every hundred. 
or you stop commerce right in its tracks, and America is based on commerce, they're loaded with fentanyl coming from mainland China. Loaded. They got it they're dispersed in all different nooks, crannies, and corners. Uh, the dogs, as good a job as they can do smelling it, they're able to mask it. So this idea that all fentanyl comes across the Mexican border, it's specious. And then the last point, there are drug users that I know that want fentanyl. So when they go to their dealer, they want, I want that super high. I want that buzz. And people don't realize that. What? You, you want fentanyl? You could die. Yeah, they want the ultimate high. And having been on fentanyl myself and morphine and oxys and Percocets and Vicodin for all the surgeries I've had, it is a super high. Boy, you feel no pain. But if uh, you take the wrong uh, little quotient of fentanyl, you die. Well, also, let me just say, let me just, just correct something about the way drugs are coming in. Now that Mexican, the Mexican cartels are in the business, China is basically not anymore because the economics of the thing. You know, they have drug labs that are a tunnel away from San Diego. They have trucks that can come over. As I mentioned in, in, in my show, 6% of all trucks get checked. 1% of all cars get checked. And the reason is commerce. Basically, we have commerce with Mexico that is more important to the Mexicans, more important to the United States than anything else. And we have workers. There are a lot of right, workers of course, who of come course. across legal. And by the way, when they do make the arrests, and there have been more arrests made since July than any time at all. As a matter of fact, in one month in July, they, they captured more fentanyl than the entire year of 2018. It's not – it's coming – U.S. citizens <laughs> because these drug, lawyers, these drug guys are not dummies. They know who's going to get checked the least. Someone with a California license plate, not someone with a Tijuana license plate. So the idea that it's – now, some of the parts of the fentanyl still do come from China. And, but some of them, even, even the ingredients are now – just like the, how meth got better and better and better when it was being made in Mexico. These guys are, are in that business. China is not – we have many reasons to treat China as a villainous and of a rival and everything else. But now – The Mexican drug lords, the Mexican cartels are in with both boots in the fentanyl business. And the one other thing that that you've got to – you know, they they come in 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 to look like the old oxy, the old uh, 30-milligram oxy pills. They look exactly like blues. So 30 milligrams of fentanyl, you know, if you were to put one milligram of fentanyl mixed in with your your oxy, now oxy is not – much less on the street because of the big crackdown on that. And as I said on the show – Look, when we put our mind to something, when law enforcement does, immigration does, we put our – you know, we have now come down with both boots on, the, on these companies that make OxyContin. So now fentanyl is a cheaper, easier-to-make option. You, you have no you – know, it's, it's, it's completely synthetic. You don't have to wait for poppy to grow. You don't have to bring in poppy from Afghanistan or anywhere else. So it is a real major problem. Well, again, we never want to deal with the fact we create the demand. Right. And in the basic business of laissez-faire economics, America creates the demand and others will supply. So let's say magically we hermetically sealed the Mexican border and not a drop of fentanyl came in. It's coming in in the belly of ships, whether it's uh, mainland China or other countries. People don't realize the commerce that comes into America. Remember when there were delays in Seattle, the port of Seattle, the port of Portland, San Francisco and L.A., and we saw all the ships lined up as far as the eye could see. They got thousands of cargo containers. They don't all get searched. If you're a drug provider to feed the beast, the demand, 
you realize a certain percentage is going to get stopped. A certain percentage is going to get caught. It's like, and we're going to talk momentarily, pilferage. There's a certain percentage that's uh, bought into retail. You know some is going to get shoplifted, boosted, and some in-store theft. There's a certain percentage of margin. Likewise, the drug dealers, they know 20% is going to get stopped. 20% is going to get seized. And we see these major seizures, you know, $10 trillion of fentanyl. Guess what? They've already factored that in. The demand, and I'm telling people, junkies, people who are addicted to drugs, they want fentanyl. They go to their dealers. They say, I want, they're not saying, gee, uh, could you please test this uh, this heroin first yeah. and the oxys to make sure it's not laced with fentanyl? If anything, they want fentanyl. So I hear all these specious, it's in the, it's in the marijuana. This is a new argument because we're going to go right into the legal sale of marijuana. All of a sudden, studies of all these pop, pop-up shops, the illegal dealers, the guys selling nickel and dime bags on the corner, it's tainted. It has salmonella. It has E. coli. It has metals. It has pesticides. Now you come up with these yeah. studies? You think maybe it's so that you can try to scare people from buying illegally? They don't understand. You know why you buy illegally? A, number one, it's cheaper. Number two, you already have a dealer who has provided you at times credit. Like the old grocery stores. Oh, you don't have the money today? Uh, we'll, we give you credit. And thirdly, the most important thing is they let you test the product. You can't walk into a legal store that's selling marijuana and say, "Can I have a pipe? Can I test the product? I, I want." The dealer lets you test the product. Say, Here's a pipe. Go ahead, puff, puff, pass. Oh yeah, I like that. Absolutely. From now on, Phil, I want, I want this. I want this strain. See, this is the problem when it comes to this. This is the problem with the model. Well, with the prohibition model. Well, if we make it legal and tax it and regulate it, it'll eliminate the illegal market. But what if the illegal market is taking something with a certain potency? By, by the way, there's going to be a limit to the potency and it's going to be tested and everything else. Well, what if someone says, I want, well, I want a different type of potency or I want – that's the challenge here. And by the way, Mayor Adams, God bless him. I'm a big supporter of his. I know you are too. We have whoa, done – We have done – I am absolutely not. <laughs> we have done four – I went back and checked. Four different episodes talking about these illegal shops. And just the other day, they're like, oh, we have discovered that there are these illegal shops popping up everywhere. You know, the, the lesson, that, the message that they sent to the marketplace was, we ain't going to touch. You were originally, I, back in the, in the spring, you were talking about guys on card tables. You're yes. walking by doing it. And when, and when the police made it very clear they weren't going to touch those, it was an invitation. When those trucks were going around, it was an invitation to more. I, I told the story a, a few weeks ago on our show. I escorted my local beat cop to the place that opened up right next to me. He's like, I don't know. They're everywhere. What do you and want me to do not about only it? That, that was a pop-up shop. So here it is. You're sitting as a landlord on all this empty commercial space, uh, ground floor storefronts. You have nobody renting your space. A guy comes along. He says, look, let's set up a deal month to month. I pay you in cash. Uh, I'm going to set up a smoke shop. They call it a head shop, a smoke shop. They got all the paraphernalia in the windows. They got all the buzz. You want you want marijuana, marijuana products, it's behind the counter. They'll sell it to you. But they give you CBD products, gummy bears, all that yeah. stuff. And it's month to month. They know that at any moment they could be put out of business. Now, the landlord finally gets some rent on a property that's been dormant. He's still going to have to pay property taxes. The city ain't giving him any break. Yeah. He takes the money. And everybody says, but it's legal anyway. 
What do I care whether it's from the illegal guy or the legal guy? In fact, it's cheaper from him. I know Phil here. Uh, he's my. It's like the guy who runs the bodega, the grocery store. I know these guys. Yeah, yeah, they give me credit. Yeah, they give me paraphernalia. They give me whatever I need. So they've already established a business relationship. Now, will some of them go away? Yes. But you think you're going to knock out the black well, market? Some, no way. Yeah, I mean, here's the model. that's been, There have been a couple of models that I've noticed in my neighborhood in the East Village. One is the guy that goes into the closed-up barbershop, doesn't change any of the signage, puts a handwritten note in the front window with basically the prices. I mean, they're very they're very bold like that. They just put the prices and what the names of the different... There are other places that are opening these kind of very elaborate head shops around and selling a lot of legal things that are perfectly legal, sodas, bongs, and whatever it else, that are clearly, based on everything I can tell, behind the counter, they've got the illegal stuff. Those guys are investing a fair amount of money. Those are fairly big pieces of real estate that they're going into. And I noticed that when the mayor announced the crackdown, he says we're going to leave it to the sheriff's office. That means that they're going to try to seize the the real estate that goes with these shops. Well, good luck to them because it's going to be the beat cop that's going to be dealing with this all the time. I am dubious, and I, I did a whole episode not long ago. I think we are going headlong in – to the legal marijuana space with so many questions left to be answered. Well, number one, you're depending on men and women getting a license who've never been in retail before, never been in wholesale. The reason they're being provided the license is they were busted for transporting weight, you know, not nickel and dime bags. In the past, they've had a heavy charge on them for marijuana dealership. That does not immediately translate that they're going to be able to deal in a mortar and brick establishment. You could save some of the licenses for them, but you better get people who can get into business real quick, turn a profit, and compete with the black market. Well, they have that is part of the qualifications that they have is they want to see you have some experience in that. But, but putting aside the commercial side of this, you know, we have no laws on the books that says what it means to be under the influence driving a car, smoking pot. You can reek like marijuana, yeah. and and there's no test. There's no there's no accepted standard for what it means. Well, remember, it's in your system for thirty days, right? I mean, it it could be. And and by the way, we don't have we have yet to do the full training of the police department on how to deal with 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 someone. There are a lot. The there is not a lot of research out there that definitively says that marijuana is not a gateway drug. I know it was for my brother Seth, who I talked about in the last episode in in in, in the last hour. So we don't know that. We also – we don't have real rules. Are we just – I mean I, I was telling the story a, a couple of weeks. I was walking with Jordan and we walked past one of these guys that sells incense. Yes. And Jordan said, is that marijuana? I said, no. When we, But if I, we walk by someone who smells I'll, – I'll, so you'll know what it smells like. Within three blocks between the school and our house, I'm like, oh, that guy and that yep. guy and that yep. guy and that yep. guy. It was all over the place. Yep. So I am really – I understand that we overcriminalized it. I saw guys inside that were doing long federal bids for just having possession of marijuana. But – and I get that we want to give them opportunities now, and it's a, it's a criminal justice thing. I think we have so many questions that we haven't really answered. Yeah, about, it's about so this. funny. It's so funny. And then I, I see this study by the Medical Marijuana Board of New York that supposedly went in and did purchases in these, these pop-up shops. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's all tainted because it comes from California. California? The Triangle, Mendocino, Humboldt. What are you talking about? These guys have been, they've been cultivating pot for decades. They're the best at it. You're blaming California growers? Are you, 
And you, you think you're going to scare people away? Like, oh, I'm not going to buy illegal marijuana because it may have E. coli, salmonella. Yeah, that's not going to work. That's like going back to reefer madness. So what's going to happen, right? They're going to come up with some kind of sign that they're going to give the legal guys, okay? And the illegal guys are going to say, well, the legal guys can only, you know, they can't bring, the legal guys can't bring it outside of New York. It's against the law. To that's transport. Right. So the illegal guys... We have San Francisco pot. We have Oregon pot. We got the best strains. Right. We got Maui Waui, Hindu Kush from Hawaii. We've got, uh, you know, from the hemp, the hemp bowl in Amsterdam every year, they have a contest, the best gradations. And people don't realize they've so perfected these strains of pot. They have pot that's good for your head when you're thinking and you're doing things. They have pot that's good for your physical when you have pains and strains. They have so perfected this. Almost, it's medicinal even when you don't Do you use it? it? I've had to use it before. Sure. Are you kidding? Yeah. I was having all kinds of problems with fentanyl, morphine. I remember I put my hand through the wall at Columbia Presbyterian because they gave me Percocet. I had a bad reaction. And my wife, Nancy, went to the head surgeon and said, don't you have medical marijuana, even edibles? It's illegal. It's considered a stage one drug by the federal government. It's the equivalent of fentanyl and heroin in the eyes yeah, of the DEA. Well, that, well that's, that's crazy. crazy. That's crazy. That part is crazy. And But I am a little bit concerned. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that the standard, like the standard, like I, what the standard should be. I have a difficult time explaining to Jordan, well, what what is, is it legal? Is it not legal? Why was it illegal for so long? We definitely went too far in one extreme. What I would have done is take it off of Schedule 1. So that we can do some real testing of it. Right now, because it's a Schedule One narcotic, you can't even test it really. You take it off Schedule One, so you can bring it in from other states, and we can do some comparisons. Secondly, make it avail as a medicinal thing. Make it easier. Make it more. And not available. only that, all these legal pot shops—it's going to be cash. No, no credit cards. No debit cards. You can't open That's up a bank problem. account. The uh, the gun boys, the stick up kids are going to be watching outside. They're going to clock how many customers are going in and out. What are you going to do with that money? You have to bring it home, and you got to stuff it in the mattresses. Yeah, there are going to be so many home invasions. That's that's the other problem that we should clarify the law to allow these businesses, if they're licensed in their state, to be able to well, do banking. I give credit to your guy Chuck Schumer, who has introduced that legislation. Right. Now people say, "What are you talking about?" Hey, idiots! It's legal. It's a legal business. If they can't bank the money, they're not going to pay the taxes, which is the whole reason for them being in business. Secondarily, there's going to be more crime. When they see all that money flooding into these legal pot shops, they wait to the end of the day, and then they bum rush the place. Whoever comes out, right, they know they got the loot. Guns to their head, and yeah. if if they don't get them there, they'll follow them home, and then home invasions. No, I th- I think that's right because that's what that's what we saw happen in Colorado. You know, we have some experience with this now because we're in so many states. I think there's 41 states that either have medicinal or recreational use of marijuana. We have some experience with it. There are ways that we could have done this incrementally. The problem is we need the federal government to do a lot of this. Yeah, things. but we always think here in New York we can do it better. We're uh, pretentious, omnipotent, just like when no cash bail, Jersey did it better. Jersey did it better, the rollout and the legalization of the recreational use of marijuana. They got about 28 stores open already. They have some problems. But nowhere near the problems we have. Right. I mean, in, in, in a way, in a way we're, we're learning from other states. I mean, let's see. This part that the mayor announced that they were going to finally start cracking down on the illegal shops. Let's see how that goes. (laughs) 
Yeah, knock yourself out. The same guy who was on Stephen Colbert the day after he beat me in the primary, giving <laughs> Stephen Colbert a gift of marijuana. A bag of marijuana, What a yeah. sanctimonious hypocrite. Anyway, it's left versus right. Anthony uh, and Curtis here. By the way, if you missed any of the middle, great program. I- I'm giving my seal of approval. Top shelf, five-star, your hour on fentanyl. It doesn't get any better. Go to WABCradio.com. That was on 3 to 4 today. It is every Saturday, 3 to 4. Anthony Weiner in the middle. That's uh, WABCradio.com. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Biggie, crack dealer, dealing crack to pregnant women. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I only know the good things about Biggie. Oh, let me tell you one thing. His mother was great. Sent him to Catholic school, right? Worked two jobs to do it. He went to Lachlan, same school that graduated Rudy Giuliani. And he said, Mom, I want to leave Lachlan. He said, why? Your marks are good. No, I want to go hang out with Jay-Z and the rest of the rappers at Westinghouse. Westinghouse High School downtown. And then he went straight downhill under their influence. Straight downhill. I praise his mom for trying to do the right thing. And then he ends up dealing crack to pregnant women. And now they got a mural to him in He's, bedside to a no, guy. Biggie is also known for other things, you know. Really? I, I can't get over that, dealing crack to pregnant women. But it's the perfect song for the intro to the hip-hop mayor, your mayor, not my mayor, Eric Adams. Oh, and Sid Rosenberg's mayor. Let's not leave that That's out. That's right. That's right. By the way, we have to give you an update. This past Wednesday, we were told, mark it on your calendar, December 14th, the night, Wednesday night, it would be the sit-down, uh, doing a shit with Sid Rosenberg, the kingmaker, King Herod. And he said, I'm going to have a sit-down with uh, Rudy Giuliani and Eric Adams. I swear by it. I swear on my, my, my daddy's grave. He even said that. Wait, December 14th, that happened already? Yeah, no sit-down. Uh, Rudy was saying to me, what happened to the sit-down? I say, well, you know, Sid's on to other things. He has attention deficit disorder. When he condemned Eric Adams for supporting reparations the Friday before, he said, you're crazy, Eric, on the air three times. Eric doesn't even return his texts anymore. You think uh, uh, the two things are not correlated? It's a busy time of year. These guys have a relationship. The the meal is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. They're three busy people. They're three busy people. It's a tough time of year to to get on the mayor's calendar. A tough time of year to get on Sid's calendar. Will it be the Last Supper? I am confident it's going to happen. I'm thinking Last Supper. You wouldn't know about this Last Supper, and Sid will be the Judas there, sitting at the Last Supper, right? Taking how many? Thirty pieces of silver. Oh, Sid is the Solomon. He's going to bring them together, cut the baby in half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But let's talk about this. The mayor has a habit now of calling these summits. I have summit overdose. He loads up a room with everybody under the sun. He did it uh, earlier in the week in the morning uh, for all the business leaders. Hey, all of you, you don't like me uh, protecting the rich uh, who pay 52% of the taxes, only the 2%, then you leave. I'm like, 
what is this? We're, we're advising people always to leave. I don't know. First it was Hochul, <laughs> get out of here. Cuomo, get out of here. Eric Adams, get out of here. So don't we want to keep these people? What do we keep telling them? Continue the exodus. Get the hell out of our city and state. That's number one. But then this summit on shoplifting and boosting at retail establishments at Gracie Mansion yesterday. Why a summit? This is like the easiest crime to resolve. <laughs> it's also, it has the fewest moving parts. Like, it's not like immigration like we talked about. Correct. Or drug smuggling or some international banking. Even, it's, even pot is a little complicated. This one is stuff is on the shelves. Someone is taking it and not paying. And that's walking it. right out. Walking that's, right out. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, okay, what have the stores done? They've now put... There are deodorants behind plastics with keys and gates and bells you got to ring in order to get them to come take the stuff. Even as our Slim Shady Shanton said, my toothpaste, that Dwayne Reed, I can't even get my toothpaste. I know. I know. It is interesting to to see what things get stolen and what things don't, that they don't bother. You know, because Marjorie Taylor Greene recently came to New York and said that she saw – um, butt plugs and dildos on the on the aisles at CVS. I don't know if you saw that. She did. Yes, you can. You, I, I play the tape in episode eight of the Middle Unplugged. She comes to New York to find sex toys, apparently. But at CVS, everything is locked down already. I am with you. I don't know what you need a summit for. I mean, I, now it's a. And I have said this all along. A lot of uh, uh, John Catapetius would always say when talking about crime, I don't care about the guy stealing a loaf of bread. My view is those guys are. St- they're kind of the big problem right now because they're stealing armfuls of stuff at these at these neighborhood stores and walking out. It's a real big problem. But I'm curious. I didn't see the story. Who's at the summit? Oh, all the DAs, naturally, uh, who turn them loose. So you would have thought that Eric Adams would have named and shamed Alvin Bragg, right? They say, Alvin, you've created a problem here because you've sort of led the other DAs, Eric Gonzalez in uh, Brooklyn, Melinda Katz in Queens, Darcel Clark in Staten Island, and McMahon, the ambulance chaser in Staten Island, to the fact that when somebody gets arrested, whether by private security who turns them over to NYPD or NYPD themselves for shoplifting and boosting. And we've seen case after case, 100 arrests, 110, 120. They're remanded out. There's absolutely no bail. They just come in uh, to the uh, CBS. Uh, uh, no more Rite Aid. They're removing all the Rite Aids from Manhattan. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're out of they're business. They're gone. Uh, Dwayne Reed. And they actually will tell the cashiers, look, I'm not here to shoot and loot. I don't want to hurt anybody. Just give me my Alvin Bragg swag bag. You know, I'll just go up the aisles. I'll do what I can. And just you leave me alone, and I'll leave you alone. Even with security officers there, the security officers have been told by the business uh, owners and managers, do not physically intervene. Do not try to stop them. Yeah, I mean, and the answer the NYPD has come up with is there's a lot of fixed posts now that are outside. A lot of cars, RMPs that are just sitting there outside these big corner uh, drugstores in Manhattan because that's apparently where it's happening. But, yeah, not only that, you can go on social media. Everyone just takes videos of these guys loading up. They're in no hurry. It is not like, you know, maybe it used to be that you took something and had it. They don't even run anymore. They walk out. And remember, you remember they, they had that, that famous – the New York Post had the picture of the guy walking out with stakes out, yeah. of, out of Trader right Joe's. You. Right by me. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. Well, I'll tell you the answer. You start first in every supermarket. I used to be an assistant manager at AMP, uh, Atlantic Pacific and Tea Company, before they went belly under. So I know the business. You got to post a security officer right in front of the Hagen Dazs. 
right uh-huh. in front of the freezer that has all the Hagen dazs because what they do is they come in for the Hagen dazs first because they can go to a nearby grocery store, bodega, and they'll sell it pennies to the dollar. Hagen dazs moves because you hipsters and millennials, you're addicted not to fentanyl, you're addicted <laughs> to Hagen dazs. No, 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 uh, Tom and Jerry's or whatever the hell the name of that ice cream is. We want Hagen dazs. I mean, you. I see more Hagen. You go into a supermarket like Christie's right. or, uh, or or any of John's stores, and immediately they know all the all the people who are there. Guard the Hagen dots with your well, life. you know what goes fast now is Tide Pods. Oh yeah, Tide. Because those they're very they're relatively small and they're super expensive. It's like twelve bucks or whatever it is to get those Tide. So those go fast. But I don't know if they're selling at bodegas. You know the crazy thing in my neighborhood. Is you know I live on a shopping strip on 14th Street. The guys steal it and they walk like 20 yards away and That's sell it. it. They yeah. put it out and it's not like they go that far. No. So no, but they do yeah. it in the winter as it gets colder. They go right down to the platform. At the end of the platform, it's like uh, Alibaba and the 40 Deeps. They have like a sook, a market. <laughs> they got it all laid out. You come through. You know you're getting ready to jump on your train. You go. You want to put you? So let me. You want to put these guys in jail? Absolutely. It's the only way to stop it. I mean, it's such let a me, ma- Let me tell you a little story. Macy's, Herald Square, had the largest jail in all of New York City, large in the Midtown South, which is a few blocks away, the largest yeah. precinct in Manhattan. They had all the shoplifters, pictures on the walls, the pickpockets, the jostlers, right. the bump and run guys. They would bring you up and they would lock you up there until the cops came and get you. And then at night, because they knew that a lot of the shoplifters and boosters would hide into every nook, cranny, and corner of Macy's because it's so large and old. They had the Dobies. So once the store detectives locked up the store, they turned the Dobies loose. If you were hiding, like in a changing booth, you heard those thoughts. Row, 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 row. You didn't go anywhere. The Dobies pinchers, yeah. Well, you know, there's, you know, where else there's a jail? In the basement of City Hall. There is. Yep. You, you would, you when, when, when you become mayor, you'll know that downstairs there is, a, there is a, a jail down there that God, I guess it, can lock it used up to be. all fifty-one members of so the city you, council. So I just want to make sure we understand the policy prescription that you've come up with. You want to take someone who's a shoplifter and you want to lock them up at Rikers with all that's going on. Absolutely, at as quickly as possible. Uh, remand them to jail, no bail, especially if they're predicate offenders. Because some look eighty, a hundred, hundred and twenty-one oh, arrests. You. Come on. It's like a slap in our face. And Eric Adams must name and shame Alvin Bragg, which he refuses to do. In honor of Bernard McGurk, we are are broadcasting (laughs) from the Bernard McGurk studios. Remember, every day, Bernard, when he was with Sid, when he was alive, would say, Eric Adams must name and shame Alvin Bragg, which he refuses to do. I don't know that this is an Alvin Bragg problem. I think this is a problem that, you know, are we going to put shoplifters and murderers, we're going to treat them the same? Why not? Put them all together. Yeah. I got locked I up with them. Good, I, I have to, when I, they had me in Rikers in a dormitory, I got locked up I with the murderers, to, the shoplifters. I have to admit I don't have a good argument. But anyway, up next, you mentioned the guy who videoed uh, people running through uh, retail. I think it was Dwayne Weed or Rite Aid in, uh, over in the Upper East Side. Michael Rappaport, the comedian, the, uh, the um, I guess you could call him what, a director now, Michael Rappaport. Friend. He has a podcast, I think. He's got, yeah, he's got everything. He uh, Sid Rosenberg's friend who says now you can't be one tough chew anymore, Anthony. And Sid has bought into this nonsense. With anti-Semitism skyrocketing, you have to be nebbishy, schlubby. You have to be a pisher. Please don't hurt me because I can't call myself one tough chew. 
Hot shoot! Oh, you can't say that either. Here at WABC, it's left versus right. And by the way, how, uh, Anthony, can they get your specialized podcast here? Well, you can get the middle unplugged. Uh, it's episode eight. You have to download it at the Red Apple Podcast Network. And you can also download uh, editions of The Middle, which is my Saturday show right before this one. Oh, by the way, Rob Astorino warming up in the bullpen. Uh, great show last week about tips. It's not all politics all the time here at WABC, your place to be. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right in the right corner. It's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa in the left corner. It's Anthony Weiner. You know, the roster here at WABC keeps growing and growing. Rob Astorino coming up next, new to the family here, dysfunctional as we are. And I know that uh, this week Anthony Weiner will be substituting as a lot of people are opting out for vacation. So just remember the story of Wally Pep. Uh, Pip. Uh, you take a day off, Lou Gehrig comes on, plays, then never misses a game afterwards, becomes the Iron Man. And whatever happened to Wally Pip? Ha! I don't know. <laughs> Just remember, you take any time off, could be Anthony Weiner, could be a Rob Astorino, or any number of Andrew Giuliani, any number of others who are part of the growing roster of talk show hosts and hostesses here at WABC. And that's good. More talk radio is good. More opinions are good because it makes people think. And you've, you've described it to me as a relay. We hand off from the baton from person to person a little bit different. Rob's going to be a little bit anxious today. His Miami Dolphins with a quarterback from Miami, from Hawaii. That's right. He's going up to Buffalo where they have about 90 feet of snow. So he's going to be a little. Now, how Rob became a Miami Dolphins fan is something I hope he, he lets us in. Well, not totally unique. I mean, when you think of all the Dallas Cowboy fans that were born and raised here, right? Obviously, yep. the Dolphins at that time, you know, with Don Shula. Uh, and every conceivable uh, NFL great uh, playing for them. Uh, I could see our whole well, generation. Well, also, you want, I mean, here's my theory. You know, Rob's a smart guy. Rob ran statewide. What is the sixth borough of New York City? Is oh, basically absolutely. South Florida, right? Oh, Boca you know, Raton. Yeah, right? so. Can you tell Eric Adams it's not Puerto Rico, the sixth borough of New York? <laughs> it's, it's Boca Raton. That's where all the Jews go. No longer to die. It used to be you went there to die, you know, have your uh, Bluebird special in the afternoon at 4. Now it's to restart a new life. That's true. But anyway, Dolphins, Dallas Cowboys, whatever. But a lot of Jews. A lot of Jews. And, in fact, we've talked before. Without Jews in the stands at Madison Square Garden and Barclays Center, you'd have 20% capacity. I mean, Jews love basketball. They love sports. They'll bet on sports. But more importantly... There is this division amongst Jews because now they're getting attacked more and more. It's like the cycle is coming full circle. We saw that guy in Central Park get attacked by this guy. He's been all over the video on a bicycle. Uh, uh, He was last seen going down towards Washington Square Park. They got him all on video. Hopefully they catch him. But he had mentioned something about Kanye West. uh, Kanye 24, I think he said. Yeah, so so there's his diatribe. So 
Michael Rapaport, you know, he's one of these, they call him uh, Sid Rosenberg's friends. That's the new yeah. brand name of the show. Although when I'm on Mondays at 7.05 and then Fridays at 7.05, it's foes. Because I'm a foe of Sid Rosenberg right. and Lewis or Port a, Operator. Or a foil. And Macedonian Phil. They don't want me to, uh, twice a week. It's or true. tough noogies. Once I'm in, you don't get me out. It's true. You know, I'm a, like a hemorrhoid. You got to put Preparation H on me and hopefully Plus I dry up. Plus you also up. get revenge on your show when you do the wrap-up. Exactly. I mean, you get the last word. I give you a lot of credit. Man, did I savage Scarmucci yesterday, that pimp. And then Stevie Van Zandt. Stevie Van Zandt, right? You would say, oh, you must like Stevie Van Zandt. Are you kidding? He said, you know, I I dream one day we're going to live side by side with black people. What's stopping you, Stevie, (laughs) and Bruce Springsteen from leaving the one percenters in Rumson and moving to Newark? But anyway, I digress. So let's talk about this guy, Michael Rappaport. You know, he did a documentary, A Tribe Called Quest, not The Tribe Called Cohen. And he likes to be seen with the brothers. You know, he's hip, he's happening, even though he lives on 70th in York. Oh, my God. And now he's lecturing Sid about how you can't be called a Jew any longer. Listen to this, this Michigash. By the way, I don't like non-Jews referring to Jewish people as Jews. I do not like... Non-Jewish people referring to Jewish people as Jews. You say Jewish, Jewish people, Jewish person. I find it condescending. The Jew, the Jews, Jewish, Jewish. You can get the extra syllable out, okay? It don't take that much energy to say Jewish. Spit it out. We don't say Kath, the Caths. We say the Catholics, the Irish Catholics. Wait, wait a minute. He's, no, no, he's no, no. first. Hold on. Before he, he's confusing two parts of speech. Are you, being Jewish is one part of speech. Being a Jew is it? What is he? By the way, uh, if you notice uh, the promo for uh, for Sid Rosenberg, he goes oi. When he's referring to me, he goes goy. <laughs> so I'm supposed to say that's okay. I'm a goy, right? First of all, this is such nonsense. When I grew up in the '60s. There was Maya Kahani in Brooklyn, right? Every Jew at 22. It didn't say every Jewish man at 22. There have been books written, movies done, one tough Jew. With all these attacks on Jewish men and women, you want there to be a perception like in Israel. Hey, man, we're tough. Come at us and we'll hit you 10 times harder. In America, it almost seems like Michael Rappaport is saying, well, let's be nebbishy, schlubby, No, I don't think pitches. he's even saying that. I don't think he understands that sometimes when they refer, that guy is a Jew. He wants him to say passive speech. That guy is a Jewish person. Oh, come on. For the love of God. We are so, snow, all of us are so snowflakey. I mean, just just relax, okay? I mean, and by the way, why does he consider it an insult? I guess that's getting to your point. Like, why is it an insult to someone to say he's a Jew? Yeah, he's a Jew. Let me tell you something. Uh, Sid, the other day, was going through his past, you know, when he was when he was uh, uh, a Schmendrick, he was going to poly prep day school. I mean, could it be any really? weaker? I thought he was a blue-collar guy. Poly you know, prep, poly prep day school with his friends, yeah. uh, Arthur Idala and Takapina right. and all those That's rich right. kids, right? Rich kids with silver spoons in their mouth, big enough to offset the trade balance between Japan, <laughs> excuse me, Red China and the United States. Then he went to Solomon Schechter on Ocean Parkway. No kidding. That's right, because his parents realized you're around too many goy. 
you know, this is not good for you. We need to give you a little bit of Jewish also, heritage. Also, Sid shows signs of being possessed early on, too, that they had to make sure to, like... Well, look at this guy. He goes over to St. Patrick's Cathedral once a month. He, he, any moment, Cardinal Dolan is going to say, you know, you're a good Jew for Jesus. <laughs> Notice, he's not going to say you're a good Jewish man for Jesus. You're a good Jew for Jesus. But they sent him to Solomon Schechter because they realized... He was losing his roots. He didn't understand what it meant to be Jewish. Look, my two youngest sons are Jewish. There's Carter and Hunter. I had to spend a lot of money sending them to the Hebrew school. And yeah. guess what? They wouldn't let me go to the Bema, the rabbi and the... Uh, and the e- Even uh, though you wear a yarmulke all year round. Oh, keep-off, mean- <laughs> right? The biggest keep-off in the world. I said to the rabbi and I said to the cantor, do my checks bounce? Uh, does the tuition go through? Yes. I said, I should go up to the Bema. They said, no, no, no. So they switched from a conservative shul to a reform school issue where I was able to stand there with my son, uh, Carter, as he was being Bob Mitzvah, and, you know, I was able to read something. I had no idea what the hell I was reading, but I read it. Just gave it phonetically, yeah. But, but the whole point is, when you're under attack, as Jews are under attack again, as if we haven't been down this road before, you want there to be a perception The Jews are tough, and they're not going to take it, and they're not going to roll over. I tell you, time and time again, I go into the Orthodox and Hasidic communities, and they have their patrols, Shamrim, Shmira, and they have to have that because if people are under attack, you attack one guy. These are not martial artists. These are not guys who have great physical skills, but they yell, hops them, and all of a sudden when you saw one guy, there's now a hundred guys in the street, and if you're messing with the and Jews in that, that neighborhood, they chase you right out. And they all and and not, and they take they take it seriously. They all wear a uniform. They all wear black coats. That's and right. Black hats. That's they, right. They, they wear, they've got uniforms, <laughs> but they're tough because they have to be. They've been under attack for centuries, going back to the shtetls of East Europe, the pogroms. No, but here's the thing that I, yes, I don't think that Rapport was saying that we should be meek. I think that what he. I, I think he was just doing one of these things that we do today that we parse language so much looking for ways to be insulted by each other. Let's let's take it easy. You want to call me a Jew, call me a Jew. You want to call me a Jewish person, you can't. I'm not so fragile. It's just so long long as you're not knocking me off my bike and and yelling me Kanye 24, I'm fine. Michael Rappaport likes to say that he's tight with the homies, you know, uh, with African-Americans. Why doesn't he go up to Jay-Z, billionaire who did that song? Why did Jews own all the real estate in the world. Jews, not Jewish people, Jews. And I said right away, and I'm the Gentile, I'm the Goy. Wait a second, you schmuck, you putz. First of all, the number one landowner in the world is the Anglican Church, the Church of England, right? Not a Jew amongst them. Number two, my peeps, the Vatican. Hey, the Pope is signing up for a new hitch. Retire now. Go back to Argentina. Be a bouncer in Buenos Aires. They own the real estate, not a Jew amongst them in the Vatican Bank. And third... The fake, phony, fraudulent uh, uh, guys with the schmantas on their head from Saudi Arabia. The house of fraud. Not a Jew amongst them. Where the hell does Jay-Z get this now? Why doesn't Michael Rappaport go to his homie Jay-Z like, you know, I happen to be from that tribe. You know, uh, we don't own all the real estate in the world. Let me tell you. But he won't do that. Because he won't offend Jay-Z. He probably bows. He does uh, the the bend uh, bends on wounded yeah. knee. Jay-Z, my hero. Well, coming... Coming on Sid's show and complaining about how people talk about Jews, go on Hot 97 and complain how they talk about Jews. And what they say, like a lot of goys say when the Jews aren't here. You know the words we use to describe you, uh, Anthony Weiner, on a regular (laughs) basis. uh, And you know how all of a sudden we say, hot shoe.
<laughs> oh, why are they always complaining? All I did was sneeze out there. Everything's anti-Semitism. The Anti-Defamation League. Yeah, when you're a white hater of Jews, the Anti-Defamation League goes at you. Well, when all of a sudden, you know, like LeBron James or your well, Jay-Z and you I drop mean, a line. It's, uh, we've been pretty beefy with Kanye. We've been pretty beefy with Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. We've been pretty beefy. Oh, that's uh, what we got to talk about up next. You predicted... On this show and your own show and your own podcast, that Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee oh, yeah. for president. I got to say, after this last month, I'm going to give you a chance to compose yourself. Think of what's happened in the last month alone. First, yeah, to sit down with Kanye and boy Nazi uh, Fuentes. Then suspend parts of the Constitution and now the NFT cards, you know. The, All right. So, the, when, the, when, the so when we card. come back, you're going to tell me why it's not going to happen. Anthony Weiner is going to be leading up the Trump for President Explanation no, Committee. No, no, I'm going to give you a chance to maybe reconsider <laughs> based on this disastrous month and what he faces now on Monday, which could be a series of indictments. I want to see if Anthony uh, Weiner is going to be one tough Jew and say, hell no, every Jew, a 22 right here on WABC. It's the left versus the right. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the left versus the right. In the right corner, it's heavyweight king Curtis Lewa. In the left corner, it's Anthony Weiner. It's a 77 WABC debate. Heavyweight slugfest. Oh, this is like smelling sauce to me from my disco years. Patrick Juve, French Mimi, dedicated this disco song to America like the French have dedicated yep. so many things. The lady in the harbor saving us in our revolutionary war against uh, the king. And by the way, uh, if I had a Trump NFT card right now, you know, they all sold out. He made they four did. mil. They, they went from $99 to $200. I would want to trade Rob Astorino, who's in the uh, the bullpen warming up for a rookie Dan Marino card. You know, Miami Dolphins, yeah. when he took him to the Super Bowl and lost. Yeah, but have you seen a rookie Astorino card? How, no. how, yeah, oh, he looked good in that. He, he, he was ready. You know, his, his, his stats coming out, of, coming out of college are pretty impressive. I got to tell you, that Dan Marino rookie card, Miami Dolphins, which Sid love too, got to be worth a lot of money. And what's the great thing about Dan Marino that I have in common with Dan Marino? You went one season undefeated. No, that's nope. the wrong, wrong Miami Dolphins team. It's part Polish, part Italian. There you go. Hey, that's me. Except I couldn't throw the pigskin uh, like him. And by the way, were you permitted to throw the pigskin because that was considered a shanda by the Orthodox I and don't, Hasidic? I actually don't think footballs have been made out of pig for a long time. Are but they? you're not sure. I am totally not sure. You call it the pigskin. And, and I will, it, I, apparently... References to football in the Bible are very scant. There aren't too many. I got to tell you, Steve Cohen, who became a surgeon of great renown in Pittsburgh, I went to junior high school with him. We're playing touch football, and we have lunch over at his house. And his mother made a nice lunch, and his father comes home. He was a, a cutter, a fitter, on Fashion Avenue, 7th Avenue. And he goes, hey, Steve, you, 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 like, to, you like to play with this pigskin, huh? football. Yes, Daddy. Say so your brother, 99, when he went to Builder's Sea, is now in Carnegie Mellon. You, you got 96. Boom, he hits him in the head. 
His head spun around on his shoulder like Linda Blair and the Exorcist. The rest of us goy, the Gentiles, we immediately left. We ran for our lives. We're saying we're lucky if we get a 76. The kid got a 96. He, he was like a superstar in school. But to the dad, it wasn't good enough. That taught me a lot about your peeps, why they do so well, because they excel with education. Study, study, study. Now, I study what you said before a month ago. You said uh, Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee. Will be the Republican nominee. And yet he's had the trifecta, the troika, the trinity of the disasters. Sitting down with Kanye and boy Nazi Fuentes did not go over well. Suspending parts of the Constitution so that he could be installed as president again did not go over well. And these NFT cards, although he may be on QVC and Home Shopping Network and Night Soon like Joan Rivers selling them, did not go well. Even Steve Bannon said enough is enough. Are you still saying that? Donald Trump will be the Republican The cognoscenti of the Republican Party have turned on this guy. But this is the same cognoscenti that when he he insulted Mexicans on the first day he announced his campaign, he said there are a lot of nice people at Charlottesville on both sides referring to Nazis. When he shredded all norms, when he stood next to Putin and said that I, I prefer Putin to my security agents, when he went to North Korea and traded a photo op for absolutely nothing and didn't get one beer or anyone else out of that country, it's the same guy. Suddenly these Republicans are like, oh, my God, I can't believe this guy's yeah, eating but this guy. Well, let me just say this. This let is me, the difference. Go ahead. All right. Here, here's, here's, here's the way it's the same. In 2015 and 16, he vanquished a pretty strong field of Republicans without breaking much of a sweat, okay? He is now – he is believed by many people on the internet because they use my name in their tweets as well as as being sent by God. These people are going to stick with him, and in a four-, five-, six-way primary, he's going to get 40 percent. He's going to win. He's going to be the nominee. Uh, your dynamic duo on the Democratic side, your former boss, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Pelosi outgoing as speaker, has said, yeah, we back Joe Biden for another term. Joe Biden just yesterday gave a speech about how a relative of his won the Purple Heart. Long speech. Immediately it was fact-checked by the Washington Post. Like, Joe, you had no relative who won the Purple Heart. You gave a 20-minute speech, which was bogus, I mean, this guy is gone. His mind is he will, shot. He will also be our nominee because he's shown he can beat Donald Trump. Yeah, but you see, that's what Republicans are recognizing. When a guy like uh, Sebastian Gorka and Steve Bannon owe to the ultra right. Stop, these guys carry no weight. Understood. He's a grassroots kind of guy, Donald Trump. The, the, the organized the Republicans, the big wheels of the Republican Party never liked the guy from the begin with. And they're the phonies here, by the way. Oh, and the worst kind of phoniness, they say we don't support him anymore, except if he starts winning again, we'll vote for him. Yeah, but instead of taking the appropriate response out with the old and with the new. Yes. The president is impaired. I don't care how you defend them like Schumer and Pelosi. He tells these stories every week. We always thought, oh. You know, Bill Clinton said, you know, in Hope, Arkansas, I remember black churches were being burnt down by the Klan. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. President, that never happened. All right. And it happened a few times. Now it's like every week is another Uh, whopper. I will will admit I spend a lot of time, even with supporters of Joe Biden, with people who are rolling their eyes as he's talking about stuff. Yes, I get it. He's way older than any president we've ever had before. All of that 
doesn't matter for the same reason Republicans— Can you agree, though, it's time out with the old in with the new? I'll make a deal with you. You get rid of Trump, we'll get rid of Biden. Well, I always have. I've I been know. The, you're, I you're the, the wrong first guy never Trumper, the first Rhino. But what I object to is I'm on a tugboat, the SS Rhino, right? I was the first. Yes. I'm the never Trumper. You have company now. Now, <laughs> all of a sudden, Bo Dito drowned. Drown. There's no room for you on my tugboat. Uh, Peter King, drown. Uh, Dove Hyken, drown. These guys are phonies. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you there. And by the way, get them to say the last sentence. Therefore, you won't vote for him. And they won't say it. Ah, I think we oppose that. Now, Sid is beginning to vacillate. You know, Sid and friends. With his friends, he's beginning to vacillate. But... I don't know if he's going to jump ship. I don't know. Because remember, originally he was on board with you 2016. He supported Hillary. Then all of a sudden he had an epiphany because of the influence of Bernard McGurk. You know who I'm hearing might be a nominee in 2024 that I think Sid would support? Uh, Eric Adams. Oh, my God. You have told me, and I have confirmed that it's true, interested in being president. Uh, Yeah. And Sid? Sid is in there. There's no doubt. He he kisses his tuchus like there's no tomorrow. But I will tell you this. Uh, all those Eric Adamites out there who are listening, before Eric ever makes it to the White House, he's going to end up in the big house in chains and shackles for no the corruption way. of his administration. No way. He's going he's gonna to get re- – does he have to get reelected first before the presidential? I guess – no, which comes first? No, no 2024 <clears throat> is before 2025. 2024, and that means that our public advocate, Jermani Williams, gets elevated – I run for public advocate. My career is back on track. You could do that. And, uh, yeah. All right. We're ready to go. You should consider that, Anthony Weiner. I mean, I'm looking at— Because I'm nothing if not an advocate for the public. That's I what I— But you're no longer considered a left-wing progressive. You're actually considered an enemy of the left wing. That's you public. used to be the symbol of left-wing what progressive happened? Democrats. You were in what happened? Healthcare, right? Single payer. You were the guy. You and Bernie, the other cockatiel. I'm the same guy I've always been. But now, no, no, no. You're persona non grata. You're a moderate Democrat. They, they spit when they hear your name. Right? How quickly times change. Are you running for public advocate? I'll support you right here. I'm thinking about it. Good, good. You should have run for that congressional seat. You would have won it. You should have listened to me and John Katzmatidis. You would have won that old Park Oh, that's right. They don't like you in Park Slope anymore. <laughs> uh, anyway, oh, Rob Astorino up next.